0: This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's, it's never
1: this- easy to yeah. challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman.
0: Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough.
1: All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system puts us into fight or flight mode
0: and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now.
1: There are so many jigsaw puzzle pieces I like to refer to it as. We all have this big thyroid jigsaw. Um, or anyone with a chronic health condition. And it's often about slotting those pieces into place and figuring out which ones apply to you. The, the same ones won't apply to everyone because we're also individual and we're also unique.
0: The World Health Organization estimates that over 750 million people suffer from some sort of thyroid condition, yet about 60%. Yes, that's 60% go undiagnosed. So today, I interview Rachel Hill, and she is a highly ranked and multi award winning thyroid patient advocate writer, speaker, and author behind The Invisible Hypothyroidism. In previous episodes, I've interviewed Denise Rogez from Thyroid Change about thyroid disease, and that is one of my top five all-time episodes, along with Victoria Gasparini, who's known as the Fed Up Thyroid on social media. And today we round out the thyroid conversation, which admittedly can keep going on because it is so complex. With Rachel, who has an unbelievable level of expertise in some of the nuances around diagnosis and treatment. So, why don't we dive right in and hear from Rachel?
1: As a child, I was always quite tired, quite achy, um, had a lot of the telltale thyroid disease signs. Um, of major constipation, not to go into too much detail, but I could go weeks at a time without passing a bowel movement. I was just quite a sort of unhappy child in the way that I was just feeling unwell a lot. But I kind of thought that everyone just felt this way and experienced a lot of these things and didn't really question it. Um, By the time I was 16 years old, things got ramped up. So uh, at that time, Obviously, we have a bit of a pandemic going on right now, but at that time, uh, back in 2000 t- 2009, swine flu was quite a big thing. Um, I caught that. I was quite unwell, uh, managed to remain at home, but I was quite unwell for quite a few weeks. Um, and even after that virus passed, um, I still just didn't really feel fully better as well as I could have been. I never really felt 100 percent well before anyway, but I, I felt even less so after that, um, I had ongoing fatigue, muscle aches and pains, mostly in the legs and mostly in the evening. Um, and over about five years, so up until I was around 21, um, I was going back and forth to the doctors with mountain and sim- symptoms on a pretty much a weekly basis, sometimes two or three times a week, I'd be back at the doctor saying, I now have acid reflux. I'm having daily migraines, which are stopping me from being able to work. Um, I was having hair loss, acne, um, Really drastic eczema, my nails were breaking off, digestive issues, along with the sort of constipation. I was just feeling bloated all the time. Um, my weight would fluctuate quite easily. And I guess I just kept going back and forth. And the doctors, as a lot of his experience, um, would prescribe different things for each symptom. Um, and it wasn't until I was 21 that um I saw a different doctor and By chance, she just happened to run a bunch of things. She just thought, you've been feeling unwell for quite some time. Let's check your thyroid, which is obviously what it turned out to be. Um, She checked a bunch of vitamin and mineral levels, such as B12 and vitamin D and my iron status. Um, And we looked at other things like uh, mono and other kind of viruses and illnesses too. Um, And yeah, at 21, almost 22 years old, I was finally diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, the autoimmune disease that then often leads to hypothyroidism Um, and alongside Hashimoto's I was diagnosed with borderline hypothyroidism so that essentially means that there was so much inflammation and attack going on towards my thyroid gland that my thyroid hormone output was then decreasing and essentially failing Um, and this is why my body was basically falling apart Um, And it was these illnesses that I'd had in my teenage years that at each at each stage, they'd ramped it up that little bit more. Um, And I think by the time I was 21, I worked within event management. So I was in a very fast paced job. I was often working long sort of 12, 14 hour days. I wasn't eating very well. And then at weekends, I would go out and drink with my friends. And it was a bit of this perfect storm, which then ultimately ended in my body just completely stopping completely failing um and eventually getting that diagnosis uh, by which point I couldn't even get out to bed on a, out of bed on a daily basis um, I needed my boyfriend my now husband to aid me up and down the stairs to help me get in the shower um I was really very ill at 21 years old I felt like a 91 year old in a, <laughs> in a 21 year old's body that's
0: yeah that's the best way I can put it really um I would definitely recommend for those listening to to read Rachel's book because it's um, hearing the whole situation. I think a lot of people were relate, and quite honestly, I might almost recommend this to anyone who's dealing with chronic illnesses because the, the path I think is pretty parallel to what I'm hearing a lot of patients going through with anything chronic, but also you provide so many recommendations on what people can do Um, there's like a whole chapter even you have on how to advocate for yourself. So I would honestly recommend reading the details of of Rachel's story. I have to say, and, you know, I can't even imagine everything that you went through. And, you know, you're clearly such a powerful woman to have gotten through this and kudos to your husband um, and, and the support system. So I have to just say there was one chuckle. There was one point in the book where I did laugh out loud (laughs) So the quote that I love in the book that did make me laugh out loud is my skills include reading a whole email without absorbing a single word. Um, So that was my (laughs) laugh out loud moment. But I think that's a a great um, way to summarize kind of probably what it was like to deal with this. So how, how did you crawl your way out of this?
1: I, I did feel a lot of shame when I was in that point, at that point, I think a lot of us do. Um, I don't know what else to say other than living with chronic illness can be hard it can be really really hard and um, it can affect so many different aspects of our lives and at 21 I felt I felt shame about not being able to attend work that I was at the doctors every week that I had so many ongoing tests and blood tests and appointments and uh, referrals to specialists and I think dealing with that at such a young age especially can be hard because you're seeing you're seeing your friends go out and live a more normal life and I think that really was part of what drove me to find more answers and figure out how to get my health and my life back on track I for a while I I kind of resigned myself to living I guess a half-life just kind of existing not really thriving just surviving and then I something clicked to me that I just decided that this wasn't going to be enough. And I wasn't I wasn't going to just give in that easily and that I knew there must be answers out there. They say that there are thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world with thyroid conditions, with thyroid disease. And I thought I've there must be people out there I can talk to, people I can learn from. And that's really where it began. I, I did what a lot of us do. I looked for Facebook support groups. I Googled for support forums. I just wanted to talk to other people who would get it, people who would understand Um, And just helped me feel less alone and less crazy, I guess. And from there, I started to learn a lot about kind of thyroid uh, medication treatment options, about how there is so much more that we, we can do than to just take thyroid medication. So if you need hormone replacement medication, then clearly your body needs it. But you can do so much more in terms of supporting yourself with how you sleep, how and when you exercise, what, what you do and don't eat, figuring out all those other parts of your life, those parts that I guess form it more holistically, Just stress management and even things like that, um, as well as the other tests to ask your doctor for um, and supplements that may or may not help. There are so many jigsaw puzzle pieces I like to refer to it as. We all have this big thyroid jigsaw Or anyone with a chronic health condition. And it's often about slotting those pieces into place and figuring out which ones apply to you. The the same ones won't apply to everyone because we're also individual and we're also unique. But yeah, if you can sort of take small steps, I think that was my key thing. I felt quite overwhelmed to begin with. I didn't know where to begin within the thorough patient community that at first I took so much from. And then as I progressed on my journey, I was able. To then give more back into and hopefully help other people. There was just so much information out there, so many people saying to try this and try that and look into this and ask your doctor about this. And yeah, it was so hard to know where to begin. And so I guess I just created this mental list of things I could look into, things I could try, um, almost having like 50 tabs open in your brain, <laughs> trying to keep on top of it all. Um, And I just started with small manageable steps and step by step, I I got a little bit of mental clarity back. I felt a little less fatigued. And then with that, I could do a little bit more. And I sought out other help in terms of through a functional medicine practitioner who I uh, implemented into my healthcare team, as well as my regular GP practitioner. And I started to build a support system of people that helped um, to support me so that then eventually I wasn't just doing it all on my own either um but yeah I think there's just so much information out there for not just thorough patients anyone with any kind of physical or mental health condition that you often just don't know where to begin um and sometimes the first step is just to take a first step just to dip your toe into the water take a baby step try something um and if nothing else find your tribe, find other people that are living what you're living, people that will help you feel understood and listen to and less alone and start there.
0: You know, I love in the book, how you refer to the thyroid jigsaw puzzle. I will never forget probably the most impactful. And this (laughs) woman had posted online, she was in her forties and she said, you know, I don't know how many embryos I should use. And she went on to say that she's had all these miscarriages, et cetera, and these were her last embryos. I read it and I said to her, you're asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. You need to find out why you're not getting pregnant because these are your last and best two. You're in your forties. And until you solve your jigsaw puzzle, you're wasting your time. This is not the right question. So when the path that you went on is you found out that desiccated thyroid is much more effective for you. You had gotten frustrated because you couldn't get the prescription because the conventional doctor refused to prescribe it. And it was such a powerful moment because you went in there with your data, you read out all the studies and all the data, and they basically said No you know, I think it's more than just here's this type of medication. Tell me about it. But I think it's really important for people to understand the context of that journey. So first tell me how that felt when you were like, I think this is going to work, but I have to wait three weeks. Cause that wasn't in the book. And oh. I was like, right there, I was like, tell me more
1: about how that felt. Yeah. And um, it was huge. Um, I think for anyone listening to make the decision to self-source medication, it's it's never, never something to take lightly. And that wasn't for me. Um, like, like we mentioned previously, I it was only once I got to the point that I felt like I didn't want to and couldn't live anymore. Um, but my my boyfriend at the time, um, he essentially took the reins and said, look, you've told me about this medication before. We've asked the doctors. They've said, no, we're going to find another way to get hold of it. Um, And I expressed my concerns, um, but at the same time, I I did agree with him that we had to try something because what did we have to lose? I guess we were at that point. Um, uh, Yeah, he he was a great support in helping me get that information together so that we could locate a reliable source for it. Um, I remember at the time, he actually was sort of tapping away on the laptop for the evening, um, going into these patient forums, going through various sources contacting suppliers and um, I was sat next to him on the sofa and I was kind of drifting in and out of sleep because I was just so tired and fatigued all the time um I I used to sleep sort of 14 16 hours a day it was it was crazy but um yeah he he just turned around to me and, and said right that's it, it's ordered it will be here in a few weeks it was coming from Thailand um and we're here in the UK um and it was this really surreal moment of oh I, I guess we're doing this then, we're giving it a go. And I was definitely scared, I was definitely anxious and nervous. There was, it also gave me this glimmer of hope that perhaps this, this could be the thing that helps me. Um, I wasn't looking for a, a complete magical cure, a, a special bullet that was going to solve every problem, but I just needed things to improve, you know, at least 50%. That would be amazing. And yeah, as we waited, waited for it to arrive, and um, there was just a whole mix of emotions a lot a lot of worry a lot of kind of hopefulness and then when it did arrive I was just kind of in shock I guess I thought this is it I, I guess we really are doing it it's it's real and as I kind of talk about in the book I I started it um I followed uh, certain protocols that I talk about in there and we started quite slowly and um yeah, I had a bit of a rocky start to begin with it because my body was so used to the original medication. I was on levothyroxine. Um, but within a few weeks, I suddenly, it's like every cell in my body started to wake up. Um, I starting to remember what life used to be like before I got chronically ill. And um, yeah, as time went on, I, I just responded better and better to it. I think it it took about three months in total for me to get to the highest kind of capacity that that medication was only was only ever going to give me back um and then by that point I was feeling so much better that that's when I started to investigate those other jigsaw pieces and start to implement other things because I suddenly had so much more clarity in my head and so much more energy that I could then devote time to that um to start figuring out those other pieces but um yeah I've had a a very sort of roller coaster ride of a journey with uh, desiccated thyroid medication and um, I was on the self-sourced uh, kind for a few years I'm now thankfully privately prescribed it which I think I do uh, cover in the book yes um, you do once I was financially able to see a, a private doctor here in the UK um because nat- natural desiccated thyroid just isn't routinely prescribed on the NHS at all um yeah, once I could see a private doctor, of which I do still see, um, I've been able to have it now privately prescribed for two and a half years. And it just makes a lot of difference because it takes a lot of that, a lot of that worry away about where something's coming and if you're going to be able to get hold of of more as well. Um obviously it's a lot more regulated this way. So yep, absolutely. Yeah. Think, things are feeling a lot more settled now.
0: To set context, though, because what I don't want, because some may listen to this and not have the capacity to read the book, which, again, I do encourage because there's such a holistic picture you paint. I think there's no way in this short time we can cover everything. And the book is about three hours to read. And so it's yeah. very reasonable. It's not like someone's going to have to spend six weeks reading every single scientific study or something. <laughs> you do a very nice job in simplifying, but being thorough. And so but just again, in case someone doesn't read your book, this is not a, a, a desiccated thyroid pitch. I think the point for you was that that's what worked for you. That was your jigsaw, one of the pieces for your jigsaw puzzle. So synthroid and um, levothyroxine are the other two medications that tend to be commonly prescribed. So for anyone who is prescribed that or um, and then maybe is struggling, like give us that context just so people understand why I brought up desiccated thyroid and why it happened to be your solution just in case someone is having similar struggles and trying to solve for it
1: yeah so for me i had been on levothyroxine for about five or six months um and i could just tell that it wasn't really working and and my nhs gp admitted that it wasn't really helping me because um the symptoms i did have of fatigue brain fog muscle aches and pains were only getting worse and then i was also gaining new ones um When we tested my thyroid hormone levels, um, the TSH result never really moved. Um, And you can get a copy of your test results from your doctor as well. You can ask them to print them out. That's that's a good part in learning to advocate for yourself. And you can understand what is being tested. Um, But yeah, my free T3, my free T4, when we checked those, um, my free T3 was always kind of low within range. My free T4 would be on the higher side of the range, which showed that I was taking plenty of the levothyroxine, the T4 only medication. But for me and for a lot of other thyroid patients but not everyone it wasn't converting into much t3 at all and t3 is the active thyroid hormone whereas your t4 is the storage hormone so when you're taking levothyroxine um, the idea behind it is that your body will then convert some of that t4 into t3 and then bingo that's what helps you feel better and helps to remove symptoms but for some people like me um We don't always know why, uh, but we don't convert an adequate amount of T4 into T3. And that's why on T4-only medications, we can still feel quite rubbish. Um, And so that was the case for me. That's why then when we added in the natural desiccated thyroid, which includes both T3 and T4, it took away that need for conversion. So I instantly had readily available T3 and that's why it made such a difference for me. But um, yeah, this is why it really depends on how your body works. Um, there are so many different factors that can impact why certain things work for different people. Um, and the T4 medications such as synthroid and Levothyroxine, they clearly work for a lot of people um i hear from a lot of people within my community that are feeling great on them um they clearly do work for a lot of people but it's i for me it's just a case of putting the information out there that if you're one of the people that it doesn't work so well for then it's worth knowing that there there are other options but um yeah if you're if you're feeling good on your t4 only medication then there's probably no reason to look to change it. Um, And there are people who take T3 only as well. That's probably a conversation for another day, but yeah, there are so many options and it's just a case of figuring out what your body needs.
0: I think that you learned, and I did this too with my fertility journey is you kind of, it almost like forces you to learn self-care and to make sure you prioritize self-care. Cause I think as women, especially we are really, really bad at that. Like I posted this weekend how many of you are good at self-care? And it was 50-50. And then I, and the next question I asked was, how many of you feel guilty? And everyone said yes. And it was so <laughs> fascinating. You know, Talk to us about that holistic journey.
1: I, I think it ties in well with, like you say, this, um, this idea of self-care, because I think a lot of us, when we think of self-care, we think of bubble baths and face masks and going to meditate meditate meditation retreats and things like that um and actually for me self care is eating in a way every day that it fuels my body or avoiding the foods that make my thyroid symptoms flare up and give me a Hashimoto's flare um for me self care is getting myself to bed by 10 p.m every night because if I don't and I have a toddler that gets me up at half five, six in the morning, again, I'm I'm going to be starting the day with less energy and can put myself into a Hashimoto's flare within a few days. So, yeah, I think it really ties in nicely to the idea of self-care. But as thyroid patients, it's not all just about that bubble baths, face masks, painting your nails. It's doing the things every day that help you keep your condition under control and help you feeling as well as you can do. Um, and yeah, for me. That encompasses all these thyroid jigsaw puzzle pieces, such as eating a way that I am keeping my blood sugar balanced. Um, I think before I used to grab a lot of convenience foods, fast food, processed food things high in sugar and carbs Um, and I don't want to demonize certain foods in any way because at the end of the day it's all about balance but now when I eat I'll sit down and I'll think how can I make this meal have a good proportion of protein to healthy fats to a little bit of carbs to getting some greens on my plate and focusing on shifting my eating to being a bit more balanced and looking at food and uh, and how it's going to fuel me either it's going to make me feel good or it's going to make me feel bad. That can have a big impact on my day-to-day and that was actually one of the key things because I didn't realize how much sugar or how many carbs I was eating at the time that was bouncing my glycemic index just all over the place um, and one of the other big things that made a difference for me was going gluten-free and that's quite a big one within the Hashimoto's community and um, obviously with all of these kind of lifestyle interventions that we talk about it is a case of it's not one size fits all, different things will work for different people. But we do hear repeatedly that Hashimoto's patients find a lot of help in going gluten free. Um, I put it off for a while because for me, it seemed like it seemed like a lot of faff. It seemed like a big thing to do uh, when I eventually decided to commit to it and give it a go. Um, my brain fog completely disappeared. My joint and muscle aches and pains completely disappeared. My heart palpitations disappeared. Uh, Going gluten-free has made such a big difference for my health. And that's been one of the biggest things that I've done besides switching thyroid medication. Um, And then looking at things like your vitamin and mineral levels. And these are all things that your doctor can easily test for as well. Looking at your iron levels, your B12, your vitamin D. A lot of us with various chronic health conditions um, often have anemia, low vitamin D, low vitamin B12. um, even low of zinc and things like that. And that can really be contributing to feeling tired and brain fogged and demotivated and perhaps even depressed or anxious. So these are other things that we can also look at and just check that we've got enough of those things within our systems and, you know, simple supplementation, which your doctor can then talk to you about um, can make a whole world of difference as well, because I found that my vitamin D and my iron were almost at a zero by the time I was diagnosed with a thyroid condition. And so It wasn't just about treating the thyroid hormone levels. It was a case of looking at, like we say, the whole picture um, and making sure that we're not missing anything else. Because if we've got all these different things going on, it can be hard to know where the fatigue is actually coming from or, or the muscle aches and the joint pain. Is it coming from the thyroid condition? Is it coming from the low vitamin D or the low iron? So we've really got to look at everything and make sure that we're yeah, just treating everything and giving everything a bit of time. I think as well, your gut health is so important. I worked with a functional medicine practitioner to look at balancing my gut and improving my gut health. So looking at probiotics, digestive enzymes and eating a diet that was feeding the good gut bacteria. And again, that made such a difference in my hair and my skin and just overall mood. My anxiety improved a lot. Um, yeah, there are I think I have a really comprehensive article on my website, as well as my book going into detail about it. There are probably a hundred different things we could look at, if not more. Uh, But for me, those were some of the big things that once I addressed those, I was coming on in leaps and bounds and I was making so much progress in how I felt, Um, as well as looking at simple things like making sure you're getting to bed for a good time and you're prioritising getting good sleep and good rest. Um, I think a lot of us take for granted just kind of getting into bed after midnight and then being up at 6am ready to go to work. And we're often just not getting enough sleep um, and that that can exacerbate everything too. Um, So yeah, for me, it's a case of keeping all these things in mind, trying to keep everything in check every day um, because then it's just helping us to keep everything more balanced um, on a more regular basis instead of having these highs and lows of feeling awful, feeling great, we can keep things a bit more even if we're able to just keep on top of these little day-to-day things.
0: I wanted to ask you about soy. The I just wanted to, just in case people hadn't heard of specific things you can do with those types of foods, so I'd love for you to list out what they are, but then also addressing soy, because um, I think sometimes there's oversimplification on social media. And then I see people getting frustrated and posting I'm sick of people saying you can't eat soy. Um, everyone can eat soy. And so it just there's this like battle amongst the opinions. <laughs> and I would just love to get your perspective. And if you could share with me, like, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. And this is context, just so people understand that. Because I think the one one or the other opinion is not
1: fair to any of us. So, so talk to yeah, us about what you've said. It's just it's never helpful to make these blanket statements, as we've already said, there's no one size fits all. Um, I personally, in all that I do, I will never say that I recommend everyone goes gluten free or dairy free or soy free. Um, and I also personally don't think it's uh, necessary to avoid all goitrogenic foods or things like that as well. And. Um, for me going gluten- free is what's helped me I've tried things like dairy free for several months and it made no difference to me whatsoever whatsoever but it did increase my stress levels because I found it that much harder avoiding yet another thing from my diet so at that point you then have to weigh up how how much something really is worth if you're not seeing any any physical improvements but it's making your stress levels a lot worse then that is then making you more tired and perhaps affecting your hormones and gut health then yeah you've got a real a real situation on your hands that way as well um so yeah as with any dietary changes it's all a case of trial and error and seeing what your body uh, personally tolerates and what it doesn't tolerate um other things to keep in mind can be caffeine and alcohol too um those are two things that i've completely removed because they would give they are what i realized were giving me really uh, severe migraines um and were giving me a lot of cystic acne as well so yeah, there can be some other things to just try removing from your diet for a few weeks and, and seeing what happens. Um, in terms of uh, goitrogenic foods, there are things like Brussels sprouts, um, broccoli, uh, peanuts fall within there as well, uh, cabbage, all of your kind of a lot of your leafy green foods. Um, what we know is that they are goitrogenic in their raw state um, it's generally believed that if you cook them until uh, the crunch is gone um, then that generally means that those those qualities have been removed and therefore should not be harmful to your thyroid health. Uh, I personally don't don't particularly limit or avoid those foods i also don't eat them in excess either um, i tend to eat everything in in quite a sort of balanced amount um, but i do generally cook them until they're not really really crunchy as well um, and for me personally if that works fine i don't notice a negative effect for other people they may eat those foods and feel a negative impact um, and it's the same for soy as well um, I have reduced my soy levels before, haven't really seen any impact. Um, these days I don't really track it. I don't I don't ingest a lot of soy anyway. I'm, I'm not really at either end of the scale. I don't eat a lot and I don't actively avoid it. Um, and again, my health is great day to day. Currently my Hashimoto's is in remission. And uh, yeah, my hypothyroidism has been stable and well managed for years now. Um, I don't have any symptoms day to day. And so I know that what I am personally doing right now is what is working for me. Um, and that is with my sort of gluten-free diet and then just trying to eat healthily otherwise around that. Um, for some people, they do also find going gluten-free soy free. Um, there's also the autoimmune protocol diet. There's the ketogenic diet. You hear so many different diets around and it can be just mind blowing to know whether, any of them could help you, or where to try and see if any of them could help you. Um, but yeah, just know that there isn't one magical diet for all of us out there that is going to fix our symptoms or get us off medication, which is the claim of some of them. Um, always be wary about that. And, and just keep in mind that our bodies are so different. And it's really just a case of trial and error, stay wary take one thing at a time and just see what your body personally reacts to. Um, I know thyroid patients who haven't really made any dietary um, changes and yet they're out climbing mountains and, and you know, they've got these really active lives and their body hasn't needed them to make any dietary changes. And that is just their story as mine is different to theirs and yours yep. will probably be different to mine. So, but there, there are some key ones that it can be worth knowing about and then you can see if it affects you or not.
0: FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the women's health innovation series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health. Having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's healthcare by bringing together critical stakeholders, join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code fempower15 for fifteen percent off your ticket. Hope to see you there. Have you heard of Mimi? So I interviewed the founder Meta Durberg, and she had an economic background. So she did. She used her background and did modeling to try to figure out what was going on with her because she, for, you know, I think at least a decade, if not more, was going to doctors and was on all these medications, just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so she essentially cured herself and went back to the doctors and their response was, you weren't sick in the first place, which is (laughs) horrific. But nonetheless, um, what her tool does is they have coaches and they use an algorithm to figure out your triggers. Um, So instead of doing an elimination diet, it's like a science-based algorithm so that they can figure out your triggers. And I think they do more that it's broader than just food, but it's a really interesting concept because they're finding strange things like chicken I've never on any diet. When you look at AIP elimination diets and things like that, chicken is never on the list to eliminate. So just, just something to be aware of. And if you want to monitor and follow her, um, she's uh, she's doing some really cool work. Now, a couple of other things. So one is the spoon theory. I think this is so important because it also ties to a couple of blog posts that you even put in your book where it's around educating people who are
1: in your life yeah so the, the spoon theory i by no means uh, created it it's a very common um sort of theory and a uh, metaphor within the chronic illness world and um, it essentially refers to um your baseline of energy of which you start the day. So if you imagine starting the day with say 10 spoons and spoons are your unit of energy, having a shower might use up a couple of spoons, uh, walking to work might use up three or four spoons, depending on what work you do. If it's quite physical, that might use up more spoons compared to if you're sat at a desk or doing something less physical. And so it basically represents the way in which our energies as people with chronic health conditions can be depleted much quicker than those without. Um, that's to put it as simply as possible. So the spoon theory really helped my now husband, Adam, understand what, what it was like for me day to day and how it could differ as well, um, depending on various factors. So if we had stayed up late on a Friday night, binge watching something on Netflix, and we perhaps didn't go to bed until one in the morning and then we were up at seven o'clock the next day, I would start the day with less spoons, with less energy then to use for the rest of the day, because As we were just talking about, I hadn't really taken care of myself the day before. And so I could get to midday and then be all out of spoons that day because I've already done a bit too much the the day before. And so I'm kind of going into my reserves at this point. Whereas if I'm well rested, if I'm eating well, then I might start the day with the full 10 spoons or nine spoons. Um, and I might get to later on in the day before feeling like I've completely run out of energy or like I do now, I can get to bed feeling like I've still got some spoons left. Um, it's a really good uh, metaphor and analogy that you can use for friends and family around you, perhaps even co-workers or your line manager um, if you don't want to use spoons you could use anything else you could think of of a battery sort of depleting over the day through percentage um but yeah it it really helped me understand my health condition in a completely different way I didn't realize that that other people experienced having a different amount of energy on different days or different severity of symptoms on different days um I don't think I'd even consciously realized that myself um, I just came across the spoon theory and I just realized something just clicked into place that okay this is it this is why some days I feel I can take I can take on the world and then if I have a crazy really busy weekend where perhaps stayed up late or um, drank some alcohol and been running from A to B to C to D to see lots of different people then come the Monday I can be in a in a Hashimoto's flare and have absolutely no spoons left. It really helped me just really compartmentalize it. and makes so much more sense. And it also just helped the friends and family around me. And it's it's still a phrase that we use now. If I say early in the morning, Adam will see me kind of hobbling around the house and say, are you okay? And I'll say, no, I've not got many spoons today. He knows instantly <laughs> that I've not slept very well. Yep. Perhaps the toddler has had me up all night. And so I'm starting the day with less energy straight away.
0: I want to commend you on the life that you built in this support system, because Not everyone may understand what it looks like to be taken care of. One question I did have is that journey of back when you were 21 and you're newly diagnosed, and now you're not able to keep up with your friends. And I know when many of us go through these life changes, like I know when I did, it's like your whole life is around trying to get better and get over things. And I know even I've struggled with how do I... Talk to friends about this because I don't want to sound like a burden. I don't want to sound depressed. And I know I've certainly had to change where I spend my energy and, and who
1: with. Pretty much my whole life I've been a perfectionist and, and a bit of a control freak in certain areas of my life. And so I think to have this health condition happen to you, um, it can just feel like your whole world is just spinning out of control and you, you can't hold on to anything. Everything is just changing and slipping away. Um and as the friend who, I mean, I still am in some, some aspects now, but more so before my kind of health crisis, I was the friend who was organizing parties on an almost constant basis and get togethers and lots of social gatherings and, um, you know, maintaining lots of different friendship circles and um, yeah, really enjoyed and thrived and thrived in that environment. And um, when I got sick, that had to change because I, I no longer had the, the energy and I no longer felt well enough to be hosting all of these great parties and organizing to go to these really interesting places as teenagers or people in their early 20s or, you know, doing all these fun activities and bringing different friendship circles together. I was just too sick to take that on anymore. And so one of the kind of good things, I guess, to come out of that grieving process that I went through when my life changed so drastically was that I learned and the people around me also learned that I could no longer be that friend that did everything and was essentially everyone's mum and looked after all our social lives and um, I had to take a step back and by doing so I think you you always kind of discover the friends that are going to stick around the ones that um that will put into a more two-way relationship instead of a relationship always feeling one way if you're as, as I was then, I was often in, in certain relationships, the only friend really trying to organize to see them or, um, yeah, put the time in to keep it going. And when I could no longer do that, inevitably, certain friendships did kind of wane or um, they at least fell silent for a while and then perhaps picked up again later on. Um, you go through so many different different seasons in life that I like to believe... Certain friendships come in at certain times to teach you certain things and some friendships might come and go as the seasons change as you have other things in common and not so much and you mature and you find who your tribe really are. And um, yeah, the people who can adapt, learn to understand what you're going through and grow with you, they inevitably stick around.
0: It's, it's so true in life. It really, really is. And you put it beautifully. So thank you so much for for being open to sharing that.
1: Uh, I guess learning to advocate for yourself my key message is to be your own thyroid advocate and that encompasses understanding your health condition and understanding all the ins and outs so that you can go into the doctor's office feeling armed to ask the right questions and feeling armed to know how to look for a doctor that's going to work with you and be right for you um I think you touched on it slightly earlier so I won't go into too much detail but um one of the the biggest things you can do as well as Getting on the right medication is understanding what your thyroid levels mean and looking at what we call optimal or optimized thyroid levels. Um, Often, our test results can fall within quite a large range, and the ranges are quite unspecific and sometimes outdated, too. Um, For a lot of conventionally trained doctors, they're happy with your results as long as they fall somewhere within the range. But because they're so wide and so unspecific, that might not mean a lot to you and your health. So, when we talk about optimal thyroid hormone levels, Um, or just optimal levels this is a much more specific place within the range so um, yeah obviously they can differ from person to person usually within the thyroid world we talk about a TSH below 2 or 2.5 whereas a Original range would be up to four, five, and sometimes even up to ten, which is obviously a lot less specific. So when we talk about TSH being below two or two point five, that just means that it's optimal in the way that a lot of people feel much better when it's at that point compared to anywhere within that huge range. And. Uh, yeah, it's the same for your free T3 3, and T4 levels as well. Um, if you head to my website, you'll find a lot more sort of more in-depth information around that, as long as all as well as all the sources. So I've put all of the references as well along with the articles, so that you can see where those numbers come from. And so here we're kind of almost
0: starting with, I know I have a thyroid condition. What do I do? Um, so that's also a great um, great reference, and also my interview with Victoria Gasparini as well, the Fed Up Thyroid. So if you're open to it, what would be a fun fact, Rachel, that you would like us to know about yourself?
1: I love a good fancy dress party. I don't know if that's what you call them in the States, but essentially a themed party where we can get dressed up in something quite creative. So um i love halloween i love christmas and the idea of christmas parties um now that i've got a child of my own my um, plan is to throw him wild parties every year so that he can dress up in something fun <laughs> i'll be oh. getting dressed up with him as well so <laughs> oh
0: my goodness thank you so much well i'm getting on an airplane and you have to invite me to one of your parties or i'm, I'm letting you know uh when i'm in the area and i'll text you to see if you're throwing one <laughs>
1: that
0: sounds so Definitely. much fun <laughs> i am impressed with you and so proud of you for doing so much out of the the struggles that you had um just given everything you wrote in the book I'm sure there's even deeper stuff in there and um, I can only imagine really thrilled and honored that we got connected and I've had this chance to connect with you yes,
1: thank you so much for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you for tuning into this
0: discussion on the FemPower Power Health Podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about FemPower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. And another way to support FemPower Health podcast is to leave a review. Where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week.